Hi, listeners. Welcome to this week's episode of Make the Shift with the Legal Work. This week we have Fali, who is originally from Nigeria, but she was she's just completed her master's uh, in DC at Georgetown Law. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Great. Uh, before we started this chat, Fali and I were busy like sharing our stats as as runners. So Fali is doing an eighty kilometer challenge this month. <laughs> God help me. Amen, girl. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so this is quite exciting to be able to chat with someone who's really a peer. And as we go through the conversation, you'll see exactly what I mean by that in the way that our journey, in as much as we've come from different countries, uh, our journey has been really, really similar. So it's really exciting to be talking to someone who's also a grad of the class of 2020. Up, up. <laughs> so um, thank you so much, Fali. Please tell us about yourself and thank you so much for joining us this uh, afternoon in New York, um, afternoon in DC. Thank you so much, Tiani. And um, it's a pleasure to be here. First, I will tell you, this is my first ever podcast. So thank you for popping my podcast, Jerry. And um, yeah, I'm a proud owner of a law firm in Nigeria called Hamu Legal and our focus is providing legal advisory and transactional support services to emerging companies and in addition to the work I do in my law firm I'm also engaged in a lot of advocacy work um, one with the global shapers and other initiatives that I am part of. I'm currently in DC I just completed my master's in national security law with a focus on data and tech regulation at Georgetown University. So looking forward to going back home to leverage on what I've learned so far and continue building upon Hamu Legal. Great, great, great. I mean, um, with that's why I'm saying our journeys are really similar in that uh, I also left South Africa and I was running a legal consulting firm called Logistics Legal Consultants. And uh, I want to find out what was your founding story? Uh, first of all, what got you interested in the legal profession? And then we'll kind of take it forward um, from there. Um, my story, what got me? So I think, you know, as, a ch- as children, you're always asked, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? I think even since from age three, I think I've always wanted to be a lawyer or I've kind of imprinted it on my head. Um, my father was a lawyer and my mom is also a lawyer. Even though I grew up in a home surrounded by lawyers, I don't think the decision to be a lawyer was influenced by my immediate home environment. I think it was just a decision. Maybe God said, you know what, this is this, is this child's career path. So, and there's this illusion if you are very um, outspoken, you're very confident, there's an assumption, oh, this will make a great lawyer. So I think for me, Throughout my childhood and my past, all I wanted was to be a lawyer. If people ask me, oh, would you, what else would you be if not a lawyer? I can't imagine any other thing, to be honest. That is insane. Both my parents are lawyers as well. <laughs> <laughs> we are so alike, girl. This is creepy and wonderful at the same time. Oh, wow. Okay. So second generation lawyer. What, what? <laughs> you know, you know. Uh, okay, got you. Um, interesting thing for me, um, I mean, just like finding out that your parents have also been lawyers. I really hope that uh, this is maybe just like unnecessarily personal, but I'm like 
if I meet someone and he's like, he's a lawyer, I'm like, thank you, goodbye. I am not interested, <laughs> interested in perpetuating this trend. Like, no, we stop here. <laughs> it stops with me. <laughs> but you know that it's also the saying that the law profession is very incestuous. So we end up marrying each other because we spend a lot of time with each other. But I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised to see you end up with a lawyer, but I think the law is also evolving. Um, it's not what it used to be like 20 or 10 years ago. Lawyers interact a lot more with people outside of their profession. So there's still hope for you, Tiani. There's, we thank God for that. Um, <laughs> and then, so walk us through the transition from uh, the time that you, uh, so I met you really through one of my classmates here at Cornell, uh, and you he really was, he's such a huge fan of all the work that you do. And um, so, and you guys work together at a big law firm in Abuja, yes? Right. Um, yes, in Abuja, in Shulala, Yes, exactly. So, um, so just walk us through uh, what made you decide to start up your own law firm uh, after being an associate in a big firm. Okay, I think I'll start with my decision first to go to the kind of firm I wanted to work in. So I did my university in Abuja. Um, and immediately after graduation, I had an intention of going to, <clears throat> going to a really good school for, for my post-grad. So I said, you know what, if I'm going to go to a firm, it has to be one involved in big law to be able to not only do work within Nigeria but have an international influence. So it already streamlined my options. So Shola Nakana was a firm, I think amongst all the firms that I applied to, was one firm I found that when I went for the interview, they were not just interested in what I was doing as a lawyer or in my background. There was a particular keen interest on what value am I bringing to add to the firm, which was completely different from all the previous interactions that I've had. So it was an opportunity for me to not only learn, but grow because I'll be able to add value to the system. So I was in SNA for about five years and I grew rapidly in that system because I went in all in. And I think what was the pivotal thing for me at SNA was I had bosses that I was inspired by. I had bosses who gave me the wings to fly. So it was so easy for me to not only go so fast, but to also learn what my peers at my level ordinarily would not have access to. But I think as you go also within a system, there comes a point where you realize I've taken and taken and taken so much from this system. And it's no longer a mutual relationship. So, and the next phase of growth seemed very, very far reaching. And I think I was at a point where I wanted to have something more challenging. I was seeking opportunities that would enable me to impact more people in the way that I feel modern law should shift towards. And being able to create that kind of shift, that kind of change within a traditional practice would, even if not be impossible, it would take much longer. And I would end up having to deal with so many politics that ordinarily I should 
I should not be dealing with. So that was what led me to resign because I wasn't seeing a fast pivot toward new law thinking in the system. Um, and when I resigned, my intention, to be honest, wasn't to start a law firm. My intention was to immediately move toward grad school, but in the interim work for government. I promise you, when I went to the government office on the first day, I've never felt underutilized in my life. Wow. <laughs> I'm so, just going to pause you right there. I just want to like circle on something that you said that was really yeah. interesting around just like how intentional you were around um, the type of career that you wanted to craft for yourself right from the outset that you were right. interested in law firms that met this criteria. And then yes. even within that, there was something that was deeper and more interesting in the law firm that you ended up staying with. And mm-hmm. then in there, just how you went all in and you grew so rapidly as I guess compared to maybe some of the people that you had started out with. Mm-hmm. And I just like how you were able to then see that, wait, this is no longer, you know, meeting my, fulfilling me the way that I needed to, mm-hmm. challenging mm-hmm. me the way that I want. I now want something different. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to seek it. And this is mm-hmm. my plan. Just like how intentional and thought and how carefully you've thought through those different steps in your career, which is something mm-hmm. that I just want to like highlight and just, you know, make oh, that, wow. pin that and point that out, <laughs> which is extremely important. Yeah. Thank you so much for really, you know, crafting it so nicely. I think intentionality is very important in terms of one who we work with and where we work with. So for me, I was very intentional in terms of who would my bosses be? Who would I learn my craft under? Because I feel that would shape the rest of my career. That's so, so true. Now, tell us about this government job. Like, I, everyone, I feel like everyone who's in Africa has a lot to say about how government... <laughs> so I didn't even get in the work. job, you know? <laughs> That's the funny part. I was just told, you know what, just come, see how it, like, sort of come and hang around, you know, and we'll figure it out. So I went and, you know, I, I unfortunately can't mention the office, but a lot of bright people you know, you engage with them, but they were doing nothing. I was like, okay, so what next? There was, it just seemed very, very flat. So I kept asking questions in terms of, okay, so what's going to be next for me? They're like, oh, just chill, calm down. It's like my, my, I was too hyped up. Their energy, my energy was not matching up theirs. In fact, they were like, what's going on? Just calm down. You're here. We're going to figure it out for you at the end of the day. And for me, I just didn't feel comfortable I wouldn't be able to look back and say, okay, I've comfortably gotten here or I've comfortably done that. And that was the end of the story for me. And while... Um, how long was that, that like period for? How long did you kind of do the... So when I resigned, I traveled. And I was on a reflective journey for about a month in terms of what I wanted to do next. Mm. And I think when I once I had that moment of clarity that, you know what, my work at SNE was done. I did not waste a second longer. I just left. I didn't even have a plan, which I wouldn't always recommend for a lot of people. Yeah. Have a plan before you <laughs> resign. <laughs> I can't be having this 
conversations of printing documents when the entire world is moving to the cloud. I find having conversations of paper paper-based issues when we're looking at you know futuristic things happening, not just in law but across the world. So I just felt, you know what, my journey here has reached its capstone, at mm. least for this moment. It's time for me to seek. So I just went home and I I couldn't even type a resignation letter. I sent a thank you note. But if you read it, it was clear. I was just thanking them for what they've given me and how far they were able to, yeah. to bring me toward. Um, my pivot to start my law firm happened, in fact, with an engagement I had with a client of mine who um, I've been working with. So she called me. I was like, oh, no, I'm not. I'm no longer in s and I'm no longer doing practice anymore, but I can link you up. She was like, no, 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 no. I want you to do this for me because the reason why I'm here is because of you. I was like, hmm, interesting. I was like, okay, let's, let's do this. And once I, she was starting a school and I didn't only provide her legal advising, but I provide her that personal support every startup founder needed in order to bring their idea to life. I'm not sure I've even ever had this conversation with her. And I saw this as an opportunity to not only do this for one person, but transform the way legal services are not only delivered, but also presented to people. So that was the, let's say, eureka moment for me in thinking and designing the kind of law practice I wanted to have with that is so so awesome i absolutely love to like hear that and i'm gonna interrupt you i'm so sorry that's but okay I, just, I mean just to like crystallize that it was around more of the journey that you wanted to walk with the client and partnering with them as opposed to thinking oh how much are you gonna pay me <laughs> right right but like, I mean, so between the time when you were like, you know, between the time that you, after you resigned and actually like, okay, starting up with this client, like what was that? And the time that you were kind of like um, doing, bring a girl child to work. That's what you like when you were going to the government office and you were just, you know, um, looking around and so forth. How long was like, was that period? Oh, I went to the government office just once. I never okay. went back. Okay. I just, I just went one day. And I never looked back. And that was it. I think I'm very good in identifying the things I do not want. So it's very easy for me to be like, you know what? No, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. So for me, the transition between living SNA and starting my law firm, it was a space of three months. So... I started initially from my living room. It was just me, my laptop, my um, journal, identifying my dreams and my plans and how I wanted this new law practice to look like. Um, because I could see an opportunity to not only provide you know, legal services differently, but to also shift the market. 
You know how when you're always starting a company, your ideas move faster than you. And I was so in a hurry to just get things moving. Three weeks later, I moved into an office space. Okay. Um, and then before you knew it, I had already hired my first staff, who was a mentee that I know, who I met on Instagram, interestingly. Wow. I love meeting people <laughs> on Instagram. It's so cool. And you know, for him, I was inspired with, by him by the way he writes. And it wasn't even legal issues he was writing. It was poetry he was writing. Oh, wow. And I feel we can identify a good lawyer from, by the way they write. It reflects on the way they think. So I sent him a message because I've been following him, seeing his journey on Instagram. And he had done work in law clinic while he was in the university. He'd gone to my alma mater. So I sent him a message. Oh, what are you up to? And he told me all oh, that he had just finished his youth service and he's waiting for a job. I said, will you be interested in an internship? He said, oh yes, he's open to it. I said, okay, just drop me your CV and come here by 1 p.m. I think the next day. And he showed up. So when he came, he came with his CV. I never looked at his CV. So we had a conversation. And then he left. okay, you can start the next week. You know, messing that, oh, I never looked at his CV. I said, oh, I didn't need to look at your CV. I already know where you go to school, what you've done. And, but I just wanted to know you. Yeah. And to be honest with you, in my journey of starting a business, I think one of the most challenging things I've experienced is one, identifying people to work with. Yeah, that's a big one. And then retaining those people mm, yeah but um, just before we kind of like go back there i feel like i'm actually going into my own mind a little bit um but let's just talk through like family support and mentorship in like actually then making the decision to start up what were those conversations like when you're telling your family Guys, I've left a big job to go and start <laughs> this thing that I'm thinking about that I'm not like, you know, we haven't really seen anything like this before, but I have this really strong inclination and indication that there's like a need and like, this is the right time and I'm the right person to do this. What was that discussion like with your, within your own community and how within, were they able to like show up for you? And if we can also just kind of touch on the finances, like where did you get the money to like be paying office rent? And uh -huh. I, I know like I'm getting into your, your personal business here. That's okay. Um, but we, in case someone is listening to this and they're like, I'm thinking of starting a consulting from Alex or my own business or something of that sort. On my side, when I started it, like I was, in uh, debt, so I don't ever recommend anyone starts a business when you don't when you have phoning <laughs> you. You know, my journey it's quite interesting. So first of all, my conversation with family in terms of I'm leaving my law firm. They didn't know I was leaving until after I've left because I didn't give like I just kind of just left. I sent in my notice. I was I waited out the notice period but I had sent in the resignation. So everybody was like, okay, so what are you gonna do next? I was also not certain in terms of what I was gonna do next. But once I had that clarity in terms of what I wanted to do next, 
Um, my parents were very supportive. Um, my father especially said, okay, if I'm sure this is what I'm going to do, um, he wishes me all the best and he prays for me, even though he did not give me financial support. But he prayed for me and said, you know what, go ahead, my child. <laughs> um, my mother as well, she was very supportive. But for me, I think what I found the most critical in that journey was the friends I had around me as I was I was navigating that process, which your good friend Chukuma also was was one of them because sometimes I feel peer support it's the greatest is the greatest will that you need to do audacious things because sometimes I think as young people our ideas sound very outrageous and audacious or even almost impossible to people that become cautiously or begin to cautiously take risks. Well, for us, we don't, we don't even see it as a risk. We always see it as an opportunity. So having those conversations with your peers, they're able to see it at your own level and with your own level of um, optimism. So that was helpful in terms of the conversations. And with respect to the financing, so like I told you the story of my first client who was just starting her school. So after I got that first client, it was an eye-opener that, you know what, you could actually go meet people and tell them, oh, this is what I'm doing. And they will pay you for it. But unfortunately, it wasn't that easy to get clients. Girl. <laughs> it wasn't that easy to get clients. So I was like, you know what, okay, so what am I... What am I going to do? And having been used to structure, mm. waking up and going to a particular place every God. day, I was so sure I would not be able to work from home. So my, I took out my, um, my severance package mm. and whatever savings I had in my life and whatever money I got paid for the little work I did in the last few months i said you know what i'm gonna pay for an office and i know in nigeria like it's like you pay 12 months up front it's like man yes. we want all the money all of it all of it so i went i found an office space and I, in fact i the search for an office page within my budget was a nightmare on its own when i finally found the office space and i realized oh i will need to actually furnish the office yeah. So I said, okay, you know what? What do I do? How do I create a balance? Then I remembered I had a friend who had just moved out of his office to a new office. So I approached him and said, you know what? I have a proposition for you. Leave me a space in your office and I'll give you legal services for free for a year. That's, the- <laughs> you see? And that's just how you do it. <laughs> so, and he was like, oh, well, at the moment, I'm not using the office for anything, but I have a friend there, so why don't you take it? Wow. Which means, one, I didn't need to pay rent. 
That is awesome. <laughs> like, I just like, as you're speaking, Bali, I'm just like, wow. Like, I didn't intend, like, for this episode to go this way. I had no idea which way we were going to go. But just like the similarity. So, also, uh, similar <laughs> to you, you know, you have like that one client or like that one engagement, like you said, with this client that mm-hmm. came to you mm-hmm. and was like, I want you. So mm-hmm. I was, I had a similar type of experience as well, where there was something that had to be done really quickly, a due diligence on a state owned mm-hmm. company. And it was like really high pressure time. And like, it was such a big paycheck. I was like, wow, it's going to be like this all the time. Like I'm going to do this. And then, um, it did not go down like that. It was not that easy to find more clients of that nature. But it's like the universe like just gives you like a taste. Like just mm-hmm. a small taste for you to be like of what's possible. <laughs> and then you jump out of the of the plane and then um mm-hmm. yeah, it gets very real very quickly. And it like does. also kind of similar, like in the with the no rent, like because I was in debt. Uh, <laughs> I had <laughs> to uh, one of my friends was really gracious. I didn't have a place to live. Um, wow. So my friend and her husband were trying to sell a house that they owned. And it had just been sitting on the market for like almost a year with no vacant. It was completely vacant in a really nice area. So I was like, can I just stay there? Uh, and I'll open because they were doing like a lot of like viewings and, you know, people coming to look through. And I was like, I will be the one to like let the people in and open for their state agent and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so that's, I also had like a free, no, no rent situation for almost a year, um, courtesy of friends. So courtesy, I of friends yeah. courtesy of friends, but I mean, paying rent is not funny. It's still one of those things I have to do, but I don't enjoy doing it. But I feel like the office environment is one of the most important investments you can make as a law firm or anyone in the consulting or servicing business because it's a representation of who you are because before people see your service they interact with your environment so there's this see feel touch so i'm very big on ensuring that wherever my work environment is it's sort of a reflection of the type of work that i do before you even interact with my work so yeah that was my journey in terms of transition with engagement with people and you know the, this power of 100 you do work with one person and they refer you to another person and they refer you to another person and that was how um, my journey kept evolving but midway because I was in so much of a hurry to get to that dream I had of that transformational law firm I thought you know what you can't do this on your own. So how about quickly expand this practice? Bring in more people. Even if you can't hire more people, bring in more partners. I think that was the first mistake I did in business. Not because having partners is bad, but because I myself didn't finish understanding who I was as an entrepreneur before bringing in other people. So for me, if, I could go back and shift a few things in terms of my journey was I would have not been afraid to go at it on my own for some time before bringing in not just people who work with me, but even people who were 
part of the business. So by the time I'm bringing in other people, it's based on needs of the business, not the needs that I think the business has. I absolutely, I'm like, I'm just so enjoying this. Like, I really (laughs) have, uh, so selfishly, but I I completely can relate to, uh, to that. So maybe one thing I'll kind of counter you on is about the needing an office. So our consulting firm, we do not have an office. We work from home. That's okay. Um, and uh, well, part of it is really to kind of like keep costs down. And mm-hmm. it's uh, trying to also embrace that um, in the big offices, that's why your bills are so high because you're paying for the coffee, you're paying for the view mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. the Johannesburg skyline. <laughs> like <Yeah>. for us, <laughs> there's no view. We will come and meet you you know, we'll meet you at a coffee shop. We'll meet mm-hmm. you at your offices. And if it's really pressing, we have like a co-working space that, you know, we can uh, book out. If, if We can work from. Yeah, if need be, then we can do that. And then around the way that we've kind of gone around, like with the hiring piece, is that we have a consulting model. So we're not a law firm. We have a consulting okay. model. And we hire consultants that are either maybe a person that is a solo practitioner or uh, Mm. has their own one person consulting company but because we've been around for longer and we've got a stronger brand profile they would want Mm. to work under our umbrella and present themselves as one of our consultants so that's how we've been able to kind of multiply without uh, kind of like you know taking on the additional burden of like the Mm. day-to-day with a with an employee but that it does help you to kind of be lean in your expenses. However, right. The rate of growth also is um, impacted because I mean, those people aren't like committed, like they don't mm-hmm. live, sleep, breathe, eat, drink. Mm-hmm. 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 So it also has its, uh, its shortcomings as well. So I guess it's like finding like the right way. Right balance. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And I think each, each practice has its own, beyond just the delivery of legal services that is also what you want to what you want your underlying legacy or your underlying impact to be so like i mentioned to you earlier for me it was i've seen the influence you know working in a structured environment has had for me in my life so at all times um at Hamu legal beyond just you know providing services to clients i just see us as an incubation hub for talent. So I always try as much as possible to be that mentor, that guide to the people that I work with. And this mentorship is also not one way. They also mentor me and teach me. And in the process, my leadership style has improved. My style of communication has improved. And even just the way I understand certain things has you know shifted a lot since you know i've been under someone's employment and you know employing other people and becoming more conscious not just of their emotions but even where they are in their personal lives i like that and thanks for bringing us then into this space around like mentorship what has and right now is your you know playing a a more mentor type role to some people, are you still yourself in a mentorship relationship? Is there someone that also like, you know, pours into and gives you and shares wisdom with you as well? 
Um, and then in your law firm, do you have some type of like a structured mentorship program? How do you uh, facilitate that within your own business at the moment? Yeah. So for me personally, I think I'm constantly in a mentor, mentor, mentoring relationship, um, whether it's top-down or peer mentorship. As I'm currently in the process of you know, building a law firm, I'm always engaging with people in business to learn from them and also learn from their experiences. And I also take value so much in peer mentorship. So a lot of things that I do in my life, I rely a lot on peer mentorship because I have a huge community of peers who are very well driven, like from the Global Shapers community, that I always rely on that network to feed off on. Even you, like I've learned so much from you in the little interactions that I've had with, I've had, you know, with you and Chukuma. So for me, I'm constantly in a mentoring relationship. And within my practice, we do not yet have a structured a mentor-mentee relationship because I always see mentorship as an organic process. It's not something you define and say, okay, this is how we're going to do it. It's things that just happen organically and you feed off on each other. If it fits, it fits. If it doesn't fit, it's, it, can never, it can never happen. But as time evolves, I don't know what it's going to be like, but I'm open to change constantly. Um, I, I, I think that's really powerful around that we have to like remain open to change the, mm -hmm. the way that we embrace and adopt certain things that we've seen. If you're, you don't want to bring in something that isn't going to work or that's going to become very prescriptive, um, maybe before the right time for, for that. Uh, and now let's kind of talk about your most recent transition, where you are right now. Um, talk to us about, I know you said initially you had been thinking of grad school very early and then that became you starting your legal firm instead. What's happening at the law firm right now and uh, how, talk to the transition that you've gone through coming from being a boss and a very accomplished lawyer to now being back in school. How was that for your ego? Like for me, it took a while. <laughs> Am I... Am I, am I back in class? Because uh, um, I finished my first degree in 2010, so there's a good 10 years between the last time I was in class and this, uh -huh. this, this experience. Um, so talk about that and maybe just kind of share about, like, what's next? Are you looking to stay and, like, you know, build out a career in the U.S. or are you going back home? Uh, just give us some, some insights into that. So, um, hmm. The transition from being an employer to an employee, right? From being think, an employee to an employer and now a student. <laughs> <laughs> so the transition from being an employee to an employee, employee to an employer, I think it just happened almost radically for me. So, um, and I've embraced all the challenges that come with it. Um, but while I was building, I mean, going to grad school has always been an aspiration of mine for a very long time. I also finished undergrad in 2010. So I had a good 10 years in between the last time I was a student and being a student now. But because I had that in mind, when I was designing the system for Hamu Legal, it was a system that would 
work with or without me being present. I was very intentional in designing a system that doesn't rely on physical presence of people within a particular space and doesn't rely on one individual to get decisions and processes done. Because I feel in Africa, we fail to create systems that outlive people. We build systems around individuals. I can't hear you. Oh, I put myself on mute so that I can hear you. <laughs> so um, it was it was a very intentional process for me. So when I transitioned, when I decided, when I made the decision to come for my masters, it wasn't an easy one. One because um, I had just witnessed a remarkable growth for my firm, one that I had never imagined or never expected would have happened at the time that it did. We grew from a team of two to a team of six. We grew from a law firm of one client to a law firm of over 50 clients oh, wow. within a space of one year. Our revenues quadrupled. Oh. So it was, I, was, I was at a moment of a very momentous shift in my life and also a very momentous shift in my business, mm. which means if I'm going to take this decision, there are there's something to give away from the business side of things. But I, I struggle with that decision whether to come or to stay, even after my admission came. So I said, you know what, I'm gonna come and give it six months. And within that six months, I will do everything that I need to do to get my masters. But guess what? I was kidding myself. <laughs> it was absolutely impossible yeah i came and i thought you know what i'm gonna come i'll be in class after i'm done with class i'm gonna come check on my law firm i almost became a mad human being yeah but because i made a decision this is what i need to do and there were not only clients relying on me i had an entire team of five people relying on me, depending on me. So I had to make sure I was present in DC and also present in Abuja. One from one capital to another. <laughs> from one capital, from one capital to another. And I, for me, I think being in school was the most important decision I would have made at this point because if I hadn't come to school now, I don't think I would have had the chance to leave my business again as, as it evolved further. And when I look back, I remember my first boss, he left his law firm two years after they started for him to go and do his master's at Harvard. And I'm leaving two years after I've started to come and do my master's. I'm not saying I sat down and had this conversation with him. He didn't tell me, okay, you should do this, do that, do that. But I just feel like we should always have people that we reflect on when we're making certain decisions. If they can do it, we also can. And at the moment, the firm has been running successfully for the last um, nine months that I've been here. And my aspirations is to go back and to continue to build it up not just from where we were before, 
but also impute the skills, the knowledge, you know, the new way of doing things. I've learned from Georgetown, I've learned from being in DC, I've learned from interacting with other global law firms on how to do things, you know, not just in law practice, but in life. I completely, completely agree with you. I, I'm, I, I absolutely like the way that you like laid it out in just, I guess, first of all, having your former employer as a point of reference. You are right. It's so important to have a really strong point of reference and seeing how successful he still was after leaving and then coming back. That also gave you courage as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's really important. And it is hard to leave something that you've been building, something that you've you know, dedicated a very big, very big part of your life in many respects to, and uh, to leave it. I mean, I, I can relate to that completely. Um, <laughs> and just maybe just as we just wrap up, do you think it was, when you look at where the world is now, I mean, we have to have this discussion. It would be absolutely um, completely not taking, uh, not making good use of our time if we kind of don't touch on this with where the world is now, with Corona, with we're living in the time of, you know, just shortly after the brutal murder of George Floyd and the protests that are like, you know, the outcries and everything that's happening in, in the United States. And we're here as non-Americans, but as black people. Mm-hmm. And um, not to just be like, oh, was it worth it? But when we look at everything, how does this make you want to show up in the world for the next chapter and whatever you want to do when you go back home? I think um, I always had paralysis every morning opening up my phone in the last two weeks because I was afraid of what I was going to see because it was Corona just a few months ago we were talking about and now it's George Floyd. And this is so personal for me because I'm living in the U.S. now. I know and see and have experienced what racism feels like. I've never, I've never understood it until in my, I don't know what racism was until in my 30s. For me, I feel when I go back home, an important thing I will do, one, is to acknowledge my privilege. And to as much as possible, try to ensure that whatever I do, I destabilize that system. So in our communities, we're all Blacks in Nigeria, but we have a certain type of system of tribalism. It's not racism, but it's a way of, you know, favoring people because of where they're from. Racism is sort of like an inferiority complex. But tribalism, it's more of, you know, just discounting people because where they're from. So for me, that's one thing I've taken back because if we do not address that in my community, it will grow to be what racism is today in America. And I don't hope we have to riot and scream, cry, lose people because we want an equal world or an equal society for each and every child. Thank you. I think that's a really, really great place to, to end off. Um, that's such a powerful thing. I've absolutely enjoyed this so, so much. You have no idea. I absolutely, you know, it's been so cathartic to listen to someone who is going through and living through a time and a period that you are, who has a really similar background, almost to the point of being frightening. <laughs> and um, 
now to be in this moment together. So I'm really honored and just so uh, privileged as well to be kind of like sharing this moment in time with a woman, um, with a woman like you. Aww. Now, as we close off, uh, we have like a rapid fire round, just like a couple of Aww. questions. So first thing, what is one thing you want to change about the legal industry? One thing I want to change. Use of legalese, you know. Things like assuming without concealing. <laughs> That's <right>. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite one is out of an abundance of caution. <laughs> yes! Like, no, use of legalese. Uh, yeah, I want to remove that from myself completely. And I hope to shift that in the people I work with. And if my colleagues are listening to me, I can see them cringing, but yeah. <laughs> um, and what is, your, what is your go-to power outfit? Because here at The Legal Work, we're about work, lifestyle, and journey. So what is your go-to oh. power outfit? If someone comes and sees Fali in this outfit, she's not playing with you today. <laughs> Interesting. Go-to power outfit. I think it's when I'm in my Ankara, my Nike okay. stolen Ankara, and I've got my head tie in place, and I've crossed my leg. If you see me crossing my leg and my head tie is on top, just stay away. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is your biggest email pet peeve? My biggest email pet peeve? Get to the point. You don't really want to know whether I slept well or not. Just get to the damn point. <laughs> I love that. Um, what's your most used emoji? My most used emoji, the smiling emoji. Which, because there's like levels of the smile. <laughs> the one, the one with the dimples, because I have dimples, so I kind of. Yeah, feel like guys, Polly has two. Not one. I have one dimple. She has two dimples. Like her dimples are legit. Um, complete the sentence. I can't stop spending money on. Books. Books. You and Chukuma and books. My goodness. He has like so many books. Chukuma's the classmate of mine. Um, and then at the top of my playlist is? At the top of my playlist? Uh, actually. You just came from a rock. What were you listening to? Dolly Parton. This is Dolly Parton's song. I have a little faith in me. The remake. I can't remember what it's called. I love it. Uh, we're actually gonna like create a, a playlist of the legal work uh, <laughs> interview. Yeah, it's and it's with Kaito, I think. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll make a note of it and just add it. It's gonna be the most okay. interesting playlist of what the sort of, what what lawyers <laughs> are listening to. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> I look um, forward to that. And then lastly, um, what is something that you're really grateful for right now? Something I'm really grateful for my parents. I'm very grateful for my parents because um, they've given me the permission to be. Mm, I love that. And that is such a, an amazing way to end. Thank you for sharing your being with us. Thank you for sharing your story, your work, yeah. your lifestyle, and your journey. This has been an, a wonderful surprise and an absolutely beautiful and incredible. When I sound like Beyonce saying beautiful so many times. <laughs> this has been an absolutely um, incredible conversation and a really, really, really fantastic way to close off a Friday. So thank you so much, Fali. Uh, have a, a great weekend. How can people get in touch with you? Yes, if someone is listening to this and they're like, 
I want to talk to her. I want to be like her. Where can people find you? Um, on Twitter. I'm Fadi Hamu on Twitter. I'm Fadi Hamu on Instagram. I'm also added to Hamu on LinkedIn and everywhere else. Okay, great. Uh, so those are her details. Thank you so much, Fali. We really appreciated having you Thank on you the so legal much, work. Take Bye. care. Thank you all so much for joining us for this week's episode of Make the Shift with the Legal Work. We look forward to hearing from you and we would absolutely love your feedback on this episode. You can hit us up on email at editor at the legalwork.com or make sure that you're following us on LinkedIn. Reach out to us there or on our Instagram, all under The Legal Work. In addition, please make sure that you are subscribed to the blog and make sure that you register to receive the weekly newsletter where we discuss all things that pertain to work, lifestyle, and journey. Make sure that if you enjoy this, you send this to your friends and your colleagues, everyone that you stand around the water cooler with so that you guys can discuss this and send those discussions back to us. Also, if there's anyone that you think would be absolutely incredible or whose work, life and journey you admire in the legal industry, let us know. We would love to know them too. And maybe you might hear them on this podcast. Thank you so much and we wish you an amazing week.